0: Getting the early numbers could be the key to success when betting on the NFL. That's why we're here to react to the pinnacle openers and analyse where the market might move. Welcome to the opening line. Hello and welcome to the opening line. And after almost five months, 268 games, we are down to just two teams. And of course, the game that everyone's been waiting for. The Super Bowl is just two weeks away, and with the odds up at Pinnacle, it's it's time to discuss what we might expect from the the biggest game in the NFL calendar. With me today are our three NFL betting experts. We've got Rufus Peabody, Eric Eager, and Andy Molitor. Um, we will get into those all important numbers for the big game a little bit later, but we can start off with a a quick recap of the the conference championship games. Um, one perhaps a little bit more straightforward than the other, or certainly. Less to debate to discuss, anyway. So we'll start with that one. It was the the Kansas City Chiefs. They 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 outplayed the Buffalo Bills. Um, they not only won, but they also covered the spread, which obviously we haven't seen too much of that this season. And the the over came in on that one as well. Um, impressive performance from the Chiefs, but also a little bit of disappointment from from the Bills, I guess. And to kick us off, Eric, I'll go to you. What did you make of it? Was did you did you learn anything, or or have those sort of high expectations people had of the Chiefs just been backed up?
1: It was weird because I think a lot of us, you know, who held the Bills in high regard, I, you know, they did some things in that game that were not characteristic of what they had done the whole season. You, you talk about the early down runs, like they had more early down runs in the first quarter of that game, seemingly, than they had in the in the first three quarters of the Buffalo game. I think combined, or sorry, against the the Baltimore game combined. And then you look at the fourth down decisions they made. McDermott came out uh, in the last day or so and basically said, look, I just wanted to increase my team's morale at the end of the half. And, you know, I, I, it's like one of those things where I thought the bills were sort of immune to those things, uh, the way that they had acted all year. And, And that's why I think, you know, People, people were backing them, you know, going into the game because, and I think it was there was a decent amount of reasons you could make for that. Um, you know, Kansas City is going to always be this sort of weird anomaly now uh, of a team that sort of, you know, much like the LeBron teams, you know, over the last like twenty years, like sort of coasted through the regular season. Like I, I posted on Twitter the the scheme uniqueness stuff, and read his scheme uniqueness continues to drift away from the origin where all the other teams are as the, you know, as the playoffs progress, um, you know, it, it's just one of those, I think, weird cases. But I, I still firmly stand by the idea that if Josh Allen played his median game on Sunday, they probably have a chance to win or cover, but he just played poorly. And they didn't do a lot of the things uh, that they normally do to be an, a, the, the efficient team that we saw them go 13-3 with.
0: And Rufus, to, over to you. I think a lot of people and, and yourself included said you you kind of almost felt like you were free rolling with the the bills given what was going on before the game. So what did you make of how things actually played out?
2: Mahomes did not look limited. That <laughs> I thought the turf toe would be a lot more of an issue just from like the, seeing uh, practices uh, and and you know obviously his ability to his mobility is very important in this game. Um, but you know clearly um, clearly he. he obviously I'm sure he was in some pain and he was shot up and I know he had that special cleat and everything, but, uh, he was able to be, he was just fine without, without running. Um, and he was able to move around the pocket, which is what mattered. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I still, I still like the logic behind why I took Buffalo there. Um, just given the uncertainty, um, but, uh, didn't work out this time.
0: And Andy, you were on the the opposite side. Was it, was it a no sweat win for you on the chiefs?
3: I guess to to kind of echo some of Eric's thoughts on like, I was, you know, obviously I, I bet on the chiefs. I bet the chiefs live. I bet the chiefs live to win the first half. I was, I just kept pounding the chiefs and I was still like disappointed in McDermott, you know, even though it was, it was beneficial for anything I bet like just how I feel about the NFL going forward, how I feel about some of these higher end AFC teams, like, I was kind of disappointed in how he played the game. Like I was disappointed in some of the decisions he made. And yeah, like the, you know, the Mahomes thing, God, Rufus had me all freaked out about that. And then (laughs) Drew was hitting me, Drew was hitting me up with, you know, some of the stuff they do on third downs with, uh, with some of the, I don't know if they're truly designed runs, but, you know, where they clear people out and he just ends up scampering for 12 yards because they're in tight coverage down the field. We didn't see a lot of that. But like Rufus said, it seemed like he was fine with, you know, with whatever they gave him to make his foot feel better. He was fine scampering around the pocket, moving around, sliding through there. So, yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was some disappointment in Buffalo, just because it's it's not a game where, oh, you know, we'll see these guys one more time this year and you know, it's week five and, you know, l- let's not do anything silly and screw the end up. It's like, it's the playoffs. I, I just didn't understand when they went from 12 points to nine points by kicking a field goal. And that's not a big difference. I, I'm not sure what some of the, you know, the WPA models would say and or just, you know, your win percentage going from 12 points to nine points. But watching the – Drew and I were watching the live lines and when they were in the red zone there you know the the live handicap was like six and a half and then after they kicked the field goal it went to eight and a half you know it just it got it got worse for them by kicking the field goals twice so it was it was mind-numbing watching some of that but i guess i'm glad uh the kansas city that we saw early in the season against the ravens the kansas city that can play well on offense repeatedly was i'm glad they showed up because i think that's a that's a more fun team to watch than some of what we saw late in the season. And obviously Eric was excited. It's, it's a squad.
1: It was – It was. Uh, I was with Rufus. I bet Buffalo early in the week, and then when the news continued to come in, I sort of I, – I did sort of change, you know, especially live. I thought some of those live lines were a little short. Uh, at halftime, it was 8.5, which I felt like – uh, you know, wasn't necessarily look. You know, that was based upon maybe prior data as opposed to what was actually happening. But like, there was always a ten percent, in my opinion, chance that he didn't play at all because of the concussion. Like, they had like the Chiefs legitimately had no control over the process, and you know that that was always something you had to take into consideration because you know it, it, it's it, it's the it's an unfortunate thing. The turf toe, to me, like. As somebody who's had it before and everything, like I, it's one of those where I think in a week, like five or six game, I think it matters a lot more because turf toe is one of those that doesn't get better or worse really, unless you like take care of it. And with just two more games left, I would assume that they were going to do, you know, he was just going to deal with the, it was a pain tolerance issue and that would have been fine. Um, You know, early in the season, it's one of those where you either shut the guy down or or you significantly reduce his wear and tear early. Um, But in a playoff game, I felt like he was going to give it everything he had. And he did look kind of slow and you did see a significant difference in that offense. They, uh, Mahomes average depth of target was under six yards. Yes. The other day it was the lowest among all quarterbacks in the championship round. Um, Buffalo did basically keep, I mean, he had the, the drop to Hill and stuff, but they weren't exactly like this deep shot team. They were making big plays with their playmakers after the catch and you know, one of the interesting things about the Chiefs, and I, you know, it, it, they just create separation. So, like when Mahomes fakes out Milano and is being dragged to the ground, he doesn't have to throw the ball with a perfect shoulder because there's no one around Kelsey for like five yards. The amount of the margin for error they give the best quarterback in the NFL is immense and, it, and it's really hard to beat.
0: Well, I mean, that one was fairly simple and straightforward with the the nfc game we obviously had the underdogs coming through tom brady and the buccaneers getting past the packers um it kind of felt like green bay had had plenty of opportunities to get themselves back into it some some dubious calls in the game one on the the officiating front but there's one that clearly jumps out and that was the the fourth and goal where Lafleur went for the the field goal um now I think i I gave a shout out to Matt Davidow a few weeks back on on here, and his Twitter was popping off. I saw some debate yeah. on that Rufus what was what was your thoughts on the decision I mean it some people thought it was right, some people thought it was wrong some people weirdly thought the analytics was right, but the decision was still wrong it's It's all a bit of a, a mess so, so what did you make of it
2: yeah in real time, I thought it probably was the wrong decision um, but without having any model but then when when I saw David Al's tweet, I was interested to see what he said. Um, when I saw his tweet, I was like, I can see that because I do think people overall underestimate the difficulty of like, well, I mean, they underestimate um, overtime. They don't take that into account. You're like eight, eight point game. It's a one possession game, period. Right. I mean, in this situation, you need the touchdown. You need the well, you need to convert a basically fourth and goal at the, what was the eight yard line, nine yard line. You got to convert that, then convert the three point conversion. Um, and, and then even if you do that, you still have to stop Tom Brady from, you know, getting into field goal range, um, the end of the game. So, whereas you keep the field goal, you know, they're, they're probably going to play more conservative. Um, I mean, they will, um, in that situation, they're trying to run out the clock and you get the ball back, you know, you can win the game outright. So, um, I'm interested in hearing more. About sort of the what, what some of those conditional probabilities were in, in his model, because I know he does sim, it simulated out at the play level. It takes into account the quarterbacks, um, the teams. There are things that you that are not really obviously unknowable. You don't know exactly how how the uh, how the Bucks are going to come out on offense there. You know, with two oh two left, they actually were. Uh, you know Mickens goes down and everybody's like it's a huge mistake but at the same time then the Bucs can throw the ball on first down because there's absolutely no downside um so they get you know they get the nine yards then uh the Bucks, even though Tom Brady was trying to you, you heard him mouthing about decline the penalty um you know they didn't decline the penalty but um and, and it came down to it if, if that pass interference hadn't been called like Green Bay gets the ball back there and they get the ball back you know I don't know what the chances you what you guys can make the chances there um I'm, I'm thinking, uh, David, I probably a little bit higher. He's very high on, on Rogers and, and, and good, I guess, good quarterbacks, um, especially in this day and age, being able to sort of, um, sort of engineer these comebacks when you have all four downs to work with. So, um, I'm, we're going to have him on the podcast this week. Uh, and so that should be really interesting to, to hear some of, some of his thoughts, but I've talked to him privately too. And, and he's, you know, he said like, okay, you know, if you, you can move a few numbers a little bit, I guess, but, but it's in the general ballpark, and I know a lot of the criticism wasn't just, well, was this the end, the right decision? Because he said, okay, the prob- win probability went from twenty five percent uh, to twenty seven and a half percent. It's it's the fact that people were saying, oh no, the p- win probability should have been like in the ten percent range. But as someone yeah. who was live in that game, like I I did not ever see the win probability drop that low. It was in the it was in the twenties um, at least.
3: Yeah, I, I, was- I think I think Seth even tweeted that in a reply that during the commercial bla- break, it was trading at like plus 300. Yeah. That just, I mean, that, that implies that it was right there. Yeah. I didn't understand the people that were saying that had a problem with David house tweet, as far as that saying, it should be like a 10, 10 to 12%. And well, just, I mean, there, there's, there's a market for that. If you think it's 10 or 12%, you, you should have slammed the other side. But yeah, that, what you said too, that's been rattling around my brain for a couple of days now. It's just all the different, I don't want to say coin. It's not coin flips. Some of them are coin flips. I mean, being a short favorite in overtime is likely a coin flip. Um, I don't know what you put the probability at. I'd, I'd love to hear this. I'm excited to hear him be on the show, and hopefully you ask all these questions like so I yeah. get answers. But, And it sounds like you had the same questions as me. Like, what did he build in the probability that Tom Brady um, – let's say they score on fourth down. There's two minutes, and they probably take it down to the two point two minute warning then. Or, or close to it, so Tom Brady has some several timeouts. Maybe the two-minute warning. What's the probability that he can drive? I mean, Tampa Bay had been crushing it on special teams all day. They probably had decent field position. Worst case, twenty-five. So you got to drive what forty yards? Go kick a field goal. I, I think that's a big part of the equation because you say you have to stop him on a couple of getting a couple first downs, but getting a couple first downs almost puts you in field goal position if you ended up getting the score getting the two point conversion which is in likelihood actually pretty much a coin flip those are close to 50% so you got to win a lot of coin flips but i, I probably would have been right there at like the 20 25% range and you know it's maddening watching that third down replay where he had all the run you know even if even if he got crushed at the goal line and stopped fourth and one is a lot different than fourth and eight so i, w- I really wish he would have taken off there
1: there's a number, I think, so let me just preface this. I think Davidao and Miller and Deck Prism are extremely sharp. I almost always, and even like in private DMs with other people, have, I almost always say, okay, where are you at? Where is Deck Prism at? Where am I? Like, so I, you know, I'm almost always hope, hopeful that I'm directionally the same as them. The the one, and I do, I agree that like the eight, so we saw this in a playoff game last year too, um, when the... Philadelphia Eagles were down 17-9, and they went for a relatively long fourth down. I think it was a little bit further out. I support kicking the field goal the further and further you get away from the two-minute warning because – and I tweeted this out in the time. I said, like, the Packers should not treat this drive like they're down by one score. Like, they're not. They're down by one-and-a-half score. So they have a 50% chance of being down two scores or one score. And I think that that – in the general – so, in that sense, I'm – very similar in the mindset as they are. Um, I wonder though, like just from, just from thinking through the probabilities, and I, I'm really interested in seeing what they have to say, like what do they think a probability of going 75 yards with one or zero timeouts against Tampa's defense would be for, for the Packers? Cause I think that that's a non-stationary. So I had a call like probably what was it? Seattle minnesota where we you know we give the win probabilities to NBC, and they said like this is the go for it situation i got a call from somebody in the league saying this is way too high if you look at historical data of teams going x amount of yards in the final x minutes with no timeouts they've only scored a touchdown like five percent of the time and so whereas we had it more like about 10 12 percent of the time and and I think David Allen Miller and and uh, Deck Prism are probably thinking, well, it's even more non-stationary than that, right? The league increased. The league yeah. is more and more in favor of scoring. Rogers is more is better than most. So, and the market is what the market is. And I, I asked you this, Rufus, and I want to hear what you have to say. Is there is part of it also the fact that there is a favorite long, there is a a long shot bias in markets, and you. And, and they're sort of, I mean, not necess- they're not necessarily tracking with the market. They're trying to be the market, which, you know, and they're doing a great job of it. But is that part of it, too? Like, traders are almost always taking the plus 300 as opposed to laying the minus 350 or whatever.
2: Well, I mean, uh, so the favorite launch shot bias, if you look at it overall, I mean, under, there, there tends it, it tends to be kind of, like, at least in the NFL, the opposite. It tends to be a bias more towards the favorites. The favorite launch shot bias historically is big in horse racing. Um, okay. But, but oh, hold on, I was pulling up the box score now for the Bucks game because I wanted to see how many how many times inside the ten. Um, yeah, the ESPN auto inside the ten and they didn't score. Um, and it started auto playing the video. But um, you no, know, no. So uh, the like in the NFL, like there's more value in general for, uh, betting money line, betting underdog money lines and underdog favorites by far, not even close. Like there's often value on underdog money lines. And I think the, the bias is that people like the underdog payouts. So that's why they parlay these favorites on the money line So um I, I don't know if that that actually applies to to live, but regardless, I mean I, I they're trying to they have Deck Prism has their number as far as I know. And then they have the number that they're sort of booking. Like uh, based because they're trying to, you know, if if they're if they think that the market is like everybody else is really wrong, they're not gonna they're not gonna Put it right in exactly. Their right. Number is they're gonna. I, I assume, but I assume the number he was quoting to me was also their actual number uh, at that point. So, and, and to, to your point, like about the NFL changing, yes. And he, and Matt and I have talked about this like a good amount this year actually, where he says that the NFL in the last five years is very different, and at least like some of my second half stuff, like he thinks I'm I'm overvaluing or I'm undervaluing the team down two scores, getting that later t- that late touchdown. Um, to pull it back in and, and just given the fact that like you know the there are more good offenses I guess and, and so
1: you know, um, yeah it, it's an interesting problem because I I am you know like I said I I was I was a little yeah, I'm trying to unpack what how they got their numbers too and and again like I said like I, I'm really interesting interested to see how they arrived at it because I, they're usually right you know and and yeah. so the, the yeah. chances of them being right here are probably pretty high. It's just, I, I'm looking forward to seeing why. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he
2: said he won't be able to say, yeah, looking, um, he won't be able to say absolutely everything, but um, but he's hopeful that...
3: Oh, a good host to will squeeze out that out of him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's yeah, not I a mean, virtual model, but, but uh, I, I'm definitely interested in getting into some of the details of that. Because modern,
1: be to... modern machine learning models need more... Like, that's the hard part. The what modern machine learning models need more data to be able to accurately price the probabilities. But to Matthew's point, the league, you know, and the NFL is a, I consider the NFL a high row, low, or sorry, high column, low row league. There's a ton of variables and there aren't actually that many plays, uh, you know, if you think about it that way. And if you reduce it down to, even if you reduce it down to the, you know, post 15 yard, uh pat uh you know era that's not that many games and that's not that many plays and that's not that many situations like the one we saw the other day um and so you know uh, you know models like nfl fast are which i think is really good frankly and you know our stuff inter- like they all do the same thing which is they take the historical data and they price out you know the probability that a game lands three four all that stuff and you know i think a simulation based one is probably better to you know, to Matt, Matt's point in terms of, like, you know, being able to sort of leverage the sort of edge cases. And Rodgers probably represents one of those. It, it, it's interesting because given given the way that the, the course of that game played out, um, I, I think Rodgers is one of the variables. But the other one is, of course, like the Tampa Bay defense being actually really good at locking down the wide receivers for Green Bay. So I, that that's probably why I would sort of fall in the middle of what I had and what they had. Yeah, and you
2: make a good point with the machine learning stuff, and I think simulation models—if you can do them right—are the way to go because you don't need a bunch of, you don't need new data, you don't need like ten years of data. You, I mean, you can tweak a parameter here, and you know, essentially, you can change fourth-down decision-making decisions, or you can, uh, you know, basically, you can create all these little changes without having data uh, and and see what happens. And so, it's simulation models are just really hard to do. Wow.
3: yeah, yeah. No i was gonna thing. say that it'd be lovely if i if i know how to do something like that you have a
2: extraordinary capacity to fuck them up i i tried building an mlb simulation model which is probably the <laughs> easiest one to do in a way i mean because it's uh you know based off i'd already had a winning mlb like model based on inference stuff and i was like oh i'm gonna just make it even better i'm gonna simulate you know like okay this is was it a line drive was it a ground ball like Did the ground ball get out of the infield? You know, then conditional on that, what's the, you know, probability it's a single or double or whatever. And I ended up, like, it ended up being worse than what I already had. Like, because it's just, there's so many things you have to do right. You have, like, decisions, like, in that case, like, managerial decisions, when when somebody's being pinch hit, like, which pitcher's coming in from the bullpen.
1: Like, you have to do it right just to essentially, like. Well, because the air is compounded. If you tune. The problem with bottom-up models is the errors compound and become yeah. bigger than the, sum of the original errors. And so, you know, the machine learning models being top down, you, you sort of like, you sort of, some of the errors cancel each other out. But then of course, on the edge cases, you have, you have problems with situations like these, or, you know, even stuff we talked about last week, Rufus, which was, and we had this discussion internally, like if you're looking at a betting model and you have, okay, Brady, being Brady being Brady having played a a lot of cold weather games but Tampa being Tampa and being and all that kind of stuff like there's probably no machine learning model worth anything that's going to be able to have you know those three columns have a one or zero and be useful at all it's going to be overfit it's going to be nonsense but then if you have a you know a simulation again like again if you're wrong about any one of those three variables they they trickle through the entire simulate so it, it's so, I mean, that's That's why you know not everybody has a private island yet. Right.
3: That's and the and depressing that's the different different part, different. part about football. I think it's just the we've we've run into this time and time again. As far as you know, you say like the fifteen yard extra point, but it, it, it's so hard to find. Like if that's your line of demarcation, like, that's fine. And we we do that sometimes because that did make a big change in some of the not a big change, but a change in the scoring. But just like where do you draw the line as far as <clears throat> offenses are better now, or there are more offenses, offensive minded coaches. There's more offensive minded, you know, just the, the ethos of a team. Like the, the general thinking is we're going to take advantage of these rules that are changing. We're going to score a lot of points. We're going to concentrate on this. You've seen teams do that and succeed, but like, where, where did that happen? Where exactly, you know, where are we cutting things off? Because the, the more you cut off the, you know, the shitty <sighs> your sample gets and, we 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 always run into this. Like, should we even be looking at these games because they happened like nine years ago? Like, was it the same NFL? And that's where I have a lot of trouble with the just straight modeling anything.
2: I think it depends on the question <clears throat> you're trying to ask too. Yeah. Right? I mean, like I use I use like upwards of 15, 20 years of data for some particular things. Like, I mean and, and this this becomes really relevant this week with, with props. Especially so, I mean, it's like because I'm not running simulations, but I think to your point though, with with the edge cases in the machine learning model, I think that that's a huge weakness of of machine learning, and it's why that it's why you don't really see, um, you don't see in play odds generally, um, at a lot of in most books up at the very end of the game. I mean, because the books don't have models, they don't have models that they trust, um, to hold up there, they're going to be getting taken advantage of, and. And it's, it's, it's what that Prism evangelizes about. Like they're, they have the ability and they put like years of work into this. I know yeah,
1: that. I mean, they're very, they're, they're,
2: they're nobody is. They're, yeah. I don't respect anybody in, in the sports betting world as much as I respect Matt David. Al, so like, I mean, but, but they are able to, they evangelize about the fact that they'll be able to have lines up the entire game, which is it's, they have the, you know, it, it takes, it takes a lot of work obviously to do what they did, but it's, it's not the easy way, but I think it's, I, I think it's uh, hopefully going to become more widespread. Um, they'll get more influence. And so that you, you will have a live betting market that truly is available up until, uh, until the end of the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, Rufus, to your point about um, – to your,
3: Hold on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering – yeah, We're now, well.
1: now going to have
0: to wait with bated breath for what uh, Eric was going to ask. Um, what. While...
3: No, I don't need new siding.
1: What were well, you gonna say, Eric? I was gonna say, Rufus, your point about like non-stationarity. I mean, the fact is, is there's like a prop at the beginning of a game that is whether or not the first kickoff is gonna be a touchback, right? And that for the longest time, kicking a touchback was the positive EV move, right? Because you know, the 20, you know, different 20 is a worse play than the 25, obviously. And then you know, they change the rule, and then more teams kick the ball short. And then they changed the rule again to make it so that you couldn't run up and, you know, run up on. The, and then it kind of became like a, I think, like a neutral move to kick it short or kick it deep. So now, like, how do you even price that out? And then, you have obviously weather effects and team, you know, and then you have a team that you could just say, hey, we think this returner sucks and we're just going to kick it to them.
2: Right. I mean, in, in, it, like the way I used to do it, I'd have like a factor for like, you know, the altitude of Denver for the wind and all that stuff and basically be able to say, oh, you know, essentially I'd. I'd context neutralize it. But that the whole point of that is I'm assuming that every team's trying to kick it as far as, you know, trying to kick it deep. Mm-hmm. And, and so then you have to have, well, is the team actually trying to, like in there too. And then there's like, Oh, well, what's the, you know, tr- you have your typical kickoffs. Then you have your first kickoffs, which sometimes coaches treat a little bit differently, you know, different times of the game. Like I, I've, like I've studied Belichick kickoff patterns a lot, way too much over the years. And, and you know, there's times when, and actually, just watch video. And there's times when clearly he's trying to kick it for a touchback, and other times when he isn't. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard kidding. to do. Like that's an information thing. Like, I mean, it's become for the kickoff stuff largely actually looking at, at film, like, and creating data yourself, like that is mm-hmm. you know, where where you're actually looking at intent and all this other stuff.
0: I knew it was going to be a, an interesting debate, and I think we'll'll we'll leave it to, to you and David All on, on your podcast Rufus to carry that conversation on because it's it almost attracted from the game itself. so I guess the the question is like that that cool side and what happened with that did do we think that Tampa Bay deserved to win the game? I, I mentioned that the Green Bay kind of had their chances, but great first half performance from Brady. so so what are our thoughts on sort of how the game actually played out as a whole and, and the result?
3: I mean, weren't we weren't we disappointed with some of the play calling from Green Bay? And you can't take – I guess you don't take away from Tampa. Like, Tampa played a great game. Brady played a great game. They were missing a safety. They are missing a wide receiver. They still somehow had quite a few successful drives after ending three straight in interceptions. But the fact that, you know, the, the last two, Green Bay – Green Bay combined for negative five yards on six plays in after the second and third interception. If you just, if you're gonna have the goat, if you're gonna have the MVP, if you're gonna have this, you know, a young offensive-minded head coach, and that's what you get from those two drives, I don't think you're gonna beat that team all that often, even at home. So, that was that was super disappointing to see. Just, uh, you know, even even as a neutral, if you were just watching that game from a neutral, watching, oh, Rodgers got the ball back. You know, Brady airmailed that one to Evans, and then just seeing just a piss poor effort from, you know, the play calling and uh, there were some drops, I suppose, but uh, I think I was surprised more people didn't rail on the, and you do see it. I see it from Eric. Sometimes I'm pretty sure it was Eric. Somebody had tweeted something about the draft picks, like the draft picks that actually got used and just, and I brought that up with somebody. It's like, man, when they, when they traded for love and whatever, if you can say love, I don't buy the love lit a fire under Rodgers' ass thing. But, man, I mean, Claypool was out there. Mims would have been a nice addition. Um, I mean, there was there was a Chenault. I mean, you, you could, Green Bay couldn't have gotten one of the crop of, like, the high-end receivers without giving up something that would have been too much for a receiver. But although there was, like, four or five secondary receivers that got picked, you know, in the second and third rounds that would have looked pretty good on that field. So maybe it's something –
1: you
3: know, it's not like their
2: offense was bad this
1: season. No, and I don't even think it was bad. The I, it was bad the other day in the in the sequencing, right? Like I thought that the, you know the, I, I Adams dropped a touchdown at the end of the first half, right? That could have probably yeah. tied the game, and then they and then Rogers throws a pick to Murphy Bunting when Murphy Bunting held Lazard pretty badly. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of noise, right? And then obviously you can go to the other side and say, well, Brady threw three straight interceptions. And that's of course, noisy too. Um, But I don't know, like I, I think whoever was going to cut, you know, the Packers were sort of invincible, you know, coming into the game as far as how they had played in recent weeks. I think after, after sort of grading it out, it, I, I, I gave Tampa like a small win, like one point, Um, you know, after everything was said and done using our grades, I, 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 did, I come out of the game just not, I mean, impressed, sure, but not that, not as impressed with either of these teams that I was with Kansas City, of course. Um, and, you know, to me, I think Tampa, Tampa's probably lucky to be here, like in, in all, you know, as far as the New Orleans game being a turnover fest, the Washington game, even their defense played like crap. And, you know. They also didn't play very well as far as the drops and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think the Bucks have, like, breezed through the NFC. Say, you know, the last team that made the Super Bowl as a wild card, the 2010 Packers, like, they were legitimately just boat, you know, outplaying teams, especially Atlanta in round two, that, you know, when I look at this Bucks team, I'm kind of like, oh, it's a cool story, but I'm not sitting here saying, like, if I'm, you know, Kansas City, I'm not worried about Tampa at all. I think Tampa can beat the Chiefs if they play a great game, but I don't think that they, I don't think that their likelihood of playing a great game is any bigger than Buffalo's.
3: The the sequence at the end of the first half there too, or the the end of the second quarter or whatever, like just, you know, Drew brought that up yesterday. What, what a disappointment it was in the red zone, the one drive. It's like, man, I mean, how, how low of a percentage is it that Adams drops that, was that first down, first and mm-hmm. goal? He drops yeah, that yeah. touchdown. Like you don't have, like you don't have the second, third. You don't have the other You're bad right. plays. Like he, he should have caught that ball. That changes a lot. You know, the, if the other drive doesn't end in the weird Scotty Miller touchdown. I mean, uh, just the aggressiveness from Tampa impressed me there. From a coach that I've ragged on a little. Yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, kudos to them there. But yeah, the the game kind of turned pretty sharply there towards the end of the second quarter and. It's tough to recover, and you know, to Rodgers' credit and Lafleur in the offense, like they did score touchdowns in two consecutive drives there in the third quarter, and made it a game. But then, I what was it three points after that?
1: They, they had eight. two reds up, two inside the ten possessions, where I think they threw the abs five times and were zero for five, and like I think that's where the people who ding their draft can can have some you know can come up for water a little bit and say look if you have another receiver that you trust um then that's a place to to have him but at the same time like I mean Adams had a great season and played a great game and like they 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 put a lot of stock in the fact that he can get open in two and a half seconds or less and they could throw him the football and that didn't work out as much in this game and that that happens you know I I don't know I I I'm a little bit, you know, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm a, I'm a little bit pissed off that they didn't draft a corner because Kevin King is a disaster. And that entire game, um, you know, the, I think the play call, obviously, at the end of the half was more back, was worse than his coverage. But, like, they also, like, they, they had him singled up all game and he was just getting abused over and over again. So, to me, just not being as resilient defensively as you should be is probably, if I'm a Packers fan, my biggest concern.
2: Well, I mean if you're a Packers fan you don't like the draft because it's not maximizing the or you don't like it for this year because it's not maximizing their short term their their odds of winning in this window but at the same time what they're balancing the future or the, the present with the future and I think it's something that most GMs do a terrible job of doing and and it's nice if you have the security to be able to actually do that and say you know and and just I mean, look what happened. They drafted Rogers when Favre was still playing. I mean, that was a wasted first-round pick, I guess, if you think about it that way. Like, I mean, I don't want to comment on whether like it was there was value there or there's value with Love. I mean, I you know I probably thought he was shouldn't have been a first rounder, but he'll probably end up being league yeah. MVP at some point or something. And then years later, we'll be talking about how Green Bay was so for how how they had such foresight to uh, to basically invest in the future, like. Rather than just trying to put out fires and trying to maximize their current window.
1: Yeah, the, the tricky thing is is now the the rookie deal is such, is the is where the edge is, right? As far as yeah. you know, with the elite level play, if you get if you sit a quarterback for two out of four years, you're wasting half of the cost control years where you can spend that money on other players and that's why like when we and this is not going to turn into a draft podcast but like that's why when you look at like Steelers Saints all those te- like all the teams Saints are actually going to be fine but like all the team like Matt Ryan all those teams that have high end quarterbacks on on big salaries if they draft a young guy like the edge is sort of slimmer because that guy's cheap but he's but he's not playing so you're not getting anything for that you know and and then that that money that should have gone to a quarterback Is still going to a quarterback because it's it's the older guy that's in the room as well,
2: right? But okay, the cheap quarterback only lasts so long. Like you had that with Seattle and Russell Wilson, Dallas and Dak Prescott, Rams. Aren't they going
3: to get towards that by the time we get to the end of the cheap window? If you look at Rogers, still playing. The cheap window
2: is not still isn't going to last forever, and I think it is a it's a quarterback driven league, and you you know most teams are not planning on switching quarterbacks every four years to try to find the cheap option.
1: Yeah, the the cheap window though makes the quarterback decision easier, right? Because like, look at like Darnold, for example. Like we, you know, most of us think Darnold sucks, but really, what we we have no clue because the Jets took those his three years of of cost control and pissed it down their leg. So we have no idea whether or not the whether or not Darnold's good. You know, the value in the in the window is that you can pile talent. Like the Chiefs signed Sammy Watkins with sixteen million dollar per year deal. Right, like they can't do that if they're up against the cap-wise, so they could do it with Mahomes' deal being what it is. And then, so then you take those three years not only to have cost control and to possibly win, but you also take those years to give him the best environment around him to see if he can actually be good. Otherwise, you're sort of playing this game, this Blake Bortles game, where it's like, well, we really don't know, and then you're stuck in year four and you still have no clue. The same thing with Josh Allen. Like, if Josh Allen sucked this year with all this stuff around him, you kind of know almost definitively that he was brutal. You know, like,
3: yeah. I guess uh, we're we're hoping that you know Darnold has just gotten gased and and that's a you know, a like yeah. And, and not that I'm putting a Tannehill in this super high echelon, but I certainly have a a much higher you know uh, rating on him than I did when he was under gay. So ho- hopefully, cause I was high on Darnold. I've seen flashes of good things from Darnold. You know, it just, it's been a bad roster and a bad coaching situation for three years. And yeah, just in, in this, all the draft stuff is, it's really easy in hindsight, you know, to say like, Oh, take Pittman. And then <coughs> later on, take a, take a corner. And like, I think whoever the, who would the Vikings take late in the second round? Was that Dantzler or Gladney or who the, the, Titans. the Titans took Fulton right around the same spot. So you had Pittman and Fulton. That looks a lot better. It's easy to say in January, but at the same time, people were ragging on it that while it was happening. So I'm fine yeah. with it then, too. I, I, I agree. And,
2: and and you guys are right about the salary cap. But I, I guess what I was saying is just the future considerations. Like, I mean, I think the Packers have done a good job of that historically. Yeah. If you, you, have, has, you
3: have to give them a little benefit of the doubt because it's been a good front office for my lifetime. I don't know.
2: It, I mean, because generally the problem is is one is basically alignment of incentives, right? With um, with GMs, they're incentivized to win in the short term, and and it oftentimes at the expense of the long term health of the franchise. It's, I mean, hell, it's a it's a problem with uh, with world leaders too. I mean. Like, <laughs>
0: This podcast no, is no, going no, off on all sorts of tangents. The right, the <laughs> <in the> F- <laughs> right, Eric said it's it's not a draft uh, podcast. Sorry. We can it's, get into politics, though. <laughs> a, it's <laughs> not a world <laughs> leaders <laughs> podcast. <laughs> leader. <laughs> Look, it's uh, let's get on to the Super Bowl. We're we're forty minutes in and we haven't even mentioned it yet. Um, it's it's the main reason we're here. Um, a lot of people will say that the value's gone within the first few hours of the the line going up, but who knows what we might see there's there's going to be a hell of a lot of money bet on it and and where that comes from who's to say but it it could impact the market at the moment we're at kansas city minus three um the total did go up a little high it was it was pitched up at 58 originally um it's currently sitting on 56 um we know that the numbers are going to be there or thereabouts as i said for unless there's some some real big money coming in to shift things around but where things are at the moment, Eric. I'll start with you. Is there is there any interest in these numbers? Have you got anything down, or is it just a, a watch and enjoy for the the Chiefs win?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me right now, I it's tricky. I I would say, um, you know, especially at fifty six, I don't think that there's. I can see I, I can see both sides. I mean, I think I make the number like fifty six point two, which you know, this year I've I've added a little bit to you know, early season, which is, I think, dissipated a little on the total. So maybe it's a little high, but um, given how I've adjusted this year, I think it's sort of right on. Um, you know, if you grade out the players, you know, Tampa Bay has the the most wins above replacement on its roster than any team in the NFL. The Chiefs are fifth. Um, so the Chiefs are sort of getting by with less, you see that on their defensive side of the ball. No one's brilliant, but everybody's solid. Tampa Bay has a lot of great parts. So on that side, you know, on that end, like the you grade the players out, especially at the most important places, Tampa, you know, might be value, but then you look at like sort of the power rankings we have, and our like our power rankings basically have KC more than three points better than the next best team in the NFL. Um you know, and I and again, I we're, we, this is a discussion maybe to have, but I don't know what home field is in this one. I'm basically pricing it as a neutral game. Um, so I, I can't I'm not all I'm not. I think I took a chiefs bet early, um, but I'm not that strong. You know, that's that's just, you know, uh, I'm not all that strong on either side after sort of looking it through uh, and sort of grading the players out after this last week.
0: Andy, what about yourself and, and what good good point there from Eric about the home advantage? Obviously, it's a unique one for the Super Bowl. Do you do you make anything of that? How are you treating it?
3: Yeah, I can't remember what we decided the total was for people that were gonna let into the stadium. I think it was like twenty, twenty thousand maybe. Um, if I mean if that's the case, you know what Super Bowl tickets cost normally. Like, just what what the – especially what the second hand market is for that. How many of those tickets already belong to, like, players and coaches that they're allowed to give away. And the fact that, you know, it's not going to be some raucous Tampa crowd. It's going to be people who can afford to drop that kind of money because when the supply drops by, like, three quarters and the demand is still there, to, especially in this year, people wanting to go to anything. Like, those Super Bowl tickets are going to be so spendy. I just don't see it, it being, like, a, a home – a uh, home crowd at all. It's just going to be a bunch of people with cash that's, that <laughs> want to go to the Super Bowl. It'll be cool because you'd be able to stretch your arms out a little if you get a ticket. So I'm putting home field at zero. The the fact that, you know, KC, I'm looking into this because somebody mentioned the, uh, the travel might be funny as far as the restrictions that I'm not sure when they're going to let them go down there and enter the, the hotel bubble. I'm not sure if like Tampa is going to be in some sort of hotel bubble. So, stuff I have to figure out. But but for now, yeah, definitely at zero. <clears throat> I mean, the number came where we thought it'd come. I'm not interested in the side here. Um, we, th- we saw some weird look-aheads. Somebody had a total up at like 59 and said, well, if they open like that, it's going to get hit down hard. Even the 58s, 57s got hit down hard. I made the number lower, but I still had no interest in betting it under. Like, I'm not – uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of long tail that ends up in the '70s here. I think Tampa Bay's smart enough to know that what they just saw McDermott do it's not a it's not a team that you beat by let's play keep away. It just doesn't work. It hasn't worked. You go back and look at historically the teams that have beaten the Chiefs under the Mahomes Reed era when they when they've beaten the Chiefs it's going score for score track meet. It's outscoring them, outplaying them on on their you know against their defense. So. I'm not I'm not excited that my numbers won an under, so I probably won't bet one. I'm probably all props all the time. I had more money on the puppy bowl than I did on anything for the Super Bowl last year, just because there was well, somebody knew where the puppy bowl ended, and some people were taking some silly numbers on that. So um, yeah, a lot of props. Puppy bowl, you got the the anthem, all that fun stuff. I probably won't have a cider total. I have a small. Position that Drew talked me into when we were betting preseason, there was Mahomes MVP and KC to win it all were similarly priced. He said, "Well, let's just split those up then." So I'll be rooting for KC, but uh, the number's pretty good.
0: And Rufus, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of your work at the right at the end of the season goes into the props, does it not? But is there we can we can put the props aside for, for one week at least, but the main lines, is there anything of interest to you?
2: Yeah, no, nothing of interest to me there right now at the time. It'll be interesting to see how it gets how it gets back because the Super Bowl is unique in the fact that like it isn't like right now, sure, the sharp money is influencing line, but but you know, in in two well, a week and a half. It's going to be public money that's influencing that number, um, and just because there is generally so much more public money to bet on the Super Bowl than any other game, uh, so you know th- there may be opportunity at some point. Like obviously, I hope that people love you know I hope that the over the over gets bet a ton and that I'm able to get a nice sweet under um, like close to game time. But uh, we'll, we shall see. But yes, my exposure will be mostly props.
0: Well, look, all that weight for the the Super Bowl talk, and we absolutely <laughs> breezed through it. Um, one of the <laughs> yeah, don't bet again. I was just going to say one of the one of the interesting elements that the the props and stuff that's that's going to be interesting to talk about, and I think maybe we can dedicate some time to that next week. And it might be good as well to sort of come back to those Super Bowl numbers, as you said, Rufus, when that public money comes in, and, and see if anyone's minds changed on that. Um, but for the time being, at least, Eric, Andy and Rufus, thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your insight. Thank you to everyone for tuning in and you can get all the latest odds on Pinnacle.com. But remember to please gamble responsibly.